0: Hey everybody, I want to take a second to tell you about Snagit 2022. I don't have time to go into all the details about Snagit 2022, but it has a variety of options for fast and easy to use video creation. It's got new ways to work across devices and platforms with the new cloud library. And your purchase or upgrade includes your first year of maintenance and the newly updated Snagit certification course. With 20 plus videos and Snagit how-tos, certification is a great way to help you speed up your workflows, unlock potential, and get your work done faster. So check out Snagit 2022 today at snagit.com. And now, back to the podcast. Hello, everybody. My name is Matt Pierce, Learning and Video Ambassador. Welcome to the Visual Lounge, wherever it is that you are watching or you're listening to the podcast after the fact. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We are going to be talking about seven sins of video creation. Now, these are not the deadly ones, even though the first thing you'll see when I put these up is probably says deadly, but they're not really deadly. It's just mistakes that I think a lot of video creators are making that we could avoid, and if we can avoid it, we'll make better videos. So, we are going to dive in today. We're gonna be moderating chat, so if you got questions you wanna ask about these as we go, please do so. And of course, we are so thankful for everybody listening in to, to the show because, you know, we appreciate it and we hope that you get good information from what we're doing here. And, you know, we're gonna go just zoom right into these, so thank you guys again for being here. All right, so we're gonna talk about the seven sins. Of course, you know, like I said, they're not deadly sins, but if you're creating a video for any length of the time, you've probably made these mistakes. And if you are still making these mistakes, hopefully we'll provide some advice here. So out of curiosity, how many videos are you creating per month? Are you just doing something once a month? Are you doing it like every week? Are you making a video? Are you doing it like seven, eight, nine, 10 times a month? You know, just let me know in the chat because here's the thing I'm I'm curious about. Is it something that you're doing often? Because if it's doing you're doing this often, you're probably much less likely to be you know to you're much much if you're making doing these often, you're much less likely to make these mistakes. Uh, if you're doing it just infrequently, you're going to probably be more likely to do it. So hopefully we can help you with that. The first one. So number one is not knowing what your equipment can do. So this happens a lot. A lot of people start making video and the first thing they do is they pick up their phone or they get a DSLR camera and they just wanna shoot something because that's the exciting part. It's exciting to make the videos. It's exciting to do something. But the thing is, you have to take time to learn what your equipment can do. And that could be lots of different things. That might not just be a camera. That could be your microphone. So if you've got like a blue Yeti, like I've got in the background here, we see oftentimes people want to talk into it the wrong way. They think it's a top-down microphone. So if this water bottle was a microphone, they want to talk into it like this, but that's not the way the microphone works. So whatever equipment you have, you want to make sure you're doing that. You want to make sure that you're understanding, you know, the, the ins and outs. Now you don't have to be a master necessarily but by understanding your equipment, you're going to have less problems in the long run. So for instance, one thing that happens a lot of people if they're w- working with cameras, is especially like web cameras, is the focus. Uh, I've seen this uh, numerous times now that their web camera, it wants to autofocus and it doesn't focus on their face, it just kind of focuses randomly and then they get a blurry picture and so they're not sure how to fix that. And those are the types of things you want to pay attention to with whatever equipment that you have and that you're you're getting because Otherwise, you're gonna find that you're gonna have more problems and things aren't just gonna work very well. So, as you're getting to know what your equipment can do, it's not as perilous as this, right? It's not like you're walking on a precipice. You're not gonna fall off a mountain and die. However, I have seen this, that people don't know their equipment very well and I've done it. I've gone out and I've shot something and it just didn't work. For instance, in fact, I think I have it here. Nope, Uh, yep, I've got it right here. I'm gonna pull it on my desk. I have a, this digital audio recorder. It's a great little recorder, can hook a microphone into it, works really well. I was on a trip over into, I was in Scotland, and I set up an interview with someone, and I recorded, got my camera set up, as it had a DSLR, it looked really great, it was awesome, I was in a, a soccer stadium there in Glasgow, uh, or near Glasgow, actually in Paisley. Uh, and I had this for my audio, because I wanted better audio. And it's big open space, but there was lots of kind of background noise, well, I got this set up, I hit it, and it, instead of hitting record, I hit it twice, and it was paused. It was paused for the entire 20, 30 minute interview that I went through, which means I got great looking footage, but the audio was only what was picked up on the camera, which is secondary footage. And normally that, man, in some circumstances, it might be okay, but it was awful. In this case, it wasn't work, workable. I couldn't, I couldn't save the footage, and I just felt, Terrible, here I was, I couldn't recreate that interview. I couldn't just go back and say, can I have another 30 minutes of your time? And so knowing your equipment is super, super important. And it might sound like super obvious, but that's one of the things that I think, why it's such a a sin, right? Like is because it is obvious that sometimes we just wanna jump in and sometimes we think we know white balance. We We know focus, we know how to do all those things, but just make sure you're really knowing that you can do it under pressure. Because that's the other thing that will happen is you'll get under some kind of pressure and you'll be like, oh my gosh, uh, what do I do? How do I fix this? How do I get to the next thing? Now, as you're getting to know your equipment, it's much like you're a mountain climber. If you're climbing a mountain, you want to know what your ropes can do, right? You want to know all the bits and pieces. You want to make sure that they're, they're, they're going to be the work the way you think they're going to work. Um, and the other thing is you might think it's cool to have lots more gear. Because let's, let's face it, who, who doesn't love more gear? I love having more gear. I love. I've, I've been looking at microphones. I'm thinking, man, can I? If I got a different mic, would that be better? I've been thinking about, like, well, what if we added a second camera? What would I shoot in here? How would I set this up? But again, if you don't know the gear, you don't know what's going on. More equipment isn't going to get you a better production. In fact, it's going to complicate the production, and you're going to miss out. So, let's take for example, and just in this idea of getting to know some more gear. Let me just switch back to my screen here. Let's look at, this is just an Apple phone, right? So it doesn't matter, it, this is just an example. If you're an Android person, I respect that. Um, as we look at this, you can see, uh, and I don't I don't know if you guys can see it playing on your screen, but I don't, nope, doesn't look like it's gonna play. However, in your device, there are settings. So let's just say you're just gonna use uh, your, your phone. You can go into settings and get to know things. For instance, in, your camera settings on your smartphone, there are things probably like a grid, so that helps you shoot in thirds. Uh, There might be dimensions, there might be different aspects of that video that you can adjust based on the settings in your device. So just spend some time going through the menus, getting to know where things are, familiarize yourself, and if there's things that you're like, I don't know what that is, take some time to look it up. And you probably don't need to know every piece of menu on a like a uh, Canon camera or, or a Sony camera, but knowing some of the basic ones are really going to help you out. Now, here's the other thing. If you're working with something like a smartphone, a device, you might find that there's other software or other pieces of media or things that can enhance what it does. For instance, this is a program called Filmic. Um, we have no affiliation with them. I've just used them on my phone for shooting and stuff, but I love their app. It's a paid app. It's about 15 to $20, depending on when you buy it, which I know for an app is a lot of money. But the reason I like this so much is because I have all these things I can do to make my normal smart device a little bit smarter. And that's the cool things about these. I can adjust the white balance, which my native app I don't think can do. I've got my grid, I've got some controls for zooming in and out, I can, if you see here on the screen, you've got this, this highlight around this little toy dinosaur, that's showing me what's in focus. So I can actually set the f- what's in focus with my smart device, which is, I don't think I can kind of tap and say like, oh, click on this in generally, but this gives me really much more precision. So. Again, apps, add-ons, things that you can do to enhance your d- device—if you, you got to learn about them—it will make your life a little bit better. I know, you know, I, I, I reference a smartphone a lot, and the reason I do that is because it's so versatile, especially for newer filmmakers. You don't have to spend a lot of money if you have a device. You, you've got something that can is very capable of creating good-looking videos, and then you pair that with a tool like Camtasia on your desktop, and you can shoot and make almost any type of video that you need. I mean, there's there's so much that you can do with that. So, you know, just think about it. Uh, what what control do you want? What kind of things you do? And apps are a great way just to add on to that, that overall kind of sense of things. So, let me go to a question again. And and Jessie's watching today. She's helping us, she was a guest last week. You got to meet her. Uh, she's helping monitor chats, and I'm gonna keep my eye open for any questions that we need to answer. But Poll time. In the chat, let us know what are the biggest challenges you're facing during video editing. So as you move from shooting to editing, what are the things that you find that's either difficult, challenging, you're just struggling with, you're like, oh man, it's not feeling, I don't know, cohesive. It's not feeling fluid. It's not feeling fill in the blank. Uh, What is it for you that you feel like is a big challenge. And I'm gonna keep going, but I'll kind of keep an eye on the chat because we're gonna talk about some of these things with video editing, I think are problematic because we're gonna get to the second sin here. I got seven of them. We'll get to the, the seventh one here. All right, so here we go. Number two. Thinking you'll fix it in post. Number two. If you're not familiar with this idea, post is as in post-production, so you've recorded, you've recorded your audio, your camera video, and then you go into like the editing phase that's often referred to as post-production. And there's this myth, and you've heard it like in on TV shows, at least I have, that's like, oh, you could, we'll fix that in post. Don't worry about it, we'll fix it in post. The idea is that a lot of things we think, oh, It didn't go so well during recording, I can just make it better. And that is true, there are some things you can do, right? Like you can, oh, I said a wrong word, I can add a call out and, you know, make sure it's clear what I'm talking about. That's easy enough. But there are so many things that are just not fixable or you would have to have, you know, super high-end tools and there's all sorts of things. So this, not too long ago, I was shooting a video outside of work uh, for, for my faith community, and I was I was doing some work, and we we're it's a couple different videos, and I made a mistake. I forgot to choose the microphone input. I have microphone issues all the time. I guess it's just me, and I, it was just one of the things I overlooked to switch the the, the setting on it. And I was with uh, someone of, of prominence. I was like, "Hey, can, we're going to record this," and they're like, "They were awesome about it," but I, I messed up the microphone, and. I couldn't go back and ask them and their family to re-record something, and so I had to fix it in post. And let me tell you, it it wasn't great. Uh, There was a little bit I could do to clean up the audio. It was basically recording through my laptop versus a microphone, which you can imagine doesn't sound good. So don't get in your your head that like, hey, not everything is fixable. You You can't just go back and make audio that's noisy clear. And so what you'll want to be doing is kind of planning and thinking through like, okay, did we get these right? Did we get our audio right? Did we get all the footage that we needed? Did we, you know, get the lighting so it was good enough? Like what are the challenges that you're going to have? Um, and start looking at those things because you're, you're not going to just be able to go into your video editor as good as they might be, and fix it unless you're really, really good. And most of us as training, learning professionals or you're working in documentation or marketing, that's not our expertise, right? We're not gonna be color correctionists. We're not special effects people. We're not gonna have those abilities. So it's always better if you can get it right during the shooting process to do it there than to try to fix it later. And it also just takes a lot of time and effort. I don't know about you, but most of my videos, I don't have a lot of time to to put into. I don't have weeks and weeks and months and months to fix them. I have a day or two that, and then I need to move on. So, you know, just like you're you're working through this process, you know, um, some th- let me give you some examples. Like say other examples of things that you might not be able to fix if your audio is too loud. So you've got the microphone cranked up, and it's just blowing out, or you're too close to the microphone. Uh, maybe there's jarring sounds like you know door slamming, thunder, uh, you know, something big. Booming sneezes in the background, those are hard to remove unless it's isolated incidents. Shaky camera footage, there are some tools that will allow you to to edit that, but it's always better to have it stable if you can, unless you're going for a Blair Witch Project kind of thing. Overexposed camera footage, meaning there's too much light and things are getting washed out. You You can't pull it back from that. If it's too dark, you know, sometimes you can lighten up footage, but most of the times you can't. Uh, if you're not you're you're not white balanced, your footage is gonna look off a little bit. And then if you're doing multiple shoots and it's not consistent, it gets it gets harder as well. If you've got something in your background that's maybe causing a distraction, I noticed early on someone said the lights in the background were flashing a little bit too much, so I changed it. So hopefully they're uh, hopefully they're better for y'all. But you want to make sure you're paying attention to these things because it's gonna be hard. If, like if I didn't want this microphone in the background here, way back here. That's going to be just tough. I'm not going to be able to digitally remove that. I mean, somebody probably can, but for me, probably not in my skill set. Uh, the other thing is if you've used a digital zoom on your camera and you've really zoomed in and it's all grainy, there is no FBI secret uh, lab that's going to enhance your footage that I know of. Uh, that's a TV thing, right? Like we can't, your footage is grainy and doesn't look good. It's going to be grainy and not look good. That's, that's kind of all there is to it. So that seems like a big list, right? Like it seems like we're about to be crushed by all the mistakes we could potentially make. Um, but again, it's, I think it's an awareness issue and being aware of the things and having a mental checklist. And if it's not a mental checklist because you've got like, man, I can't remember all these things, create yourself a real checklist that's going to allow you to check for the things and the problems that you're typically experiencing. Like maybe it says, check microphone input. I need that one. Check microphone levels. Okay, cool. Check lighting, check exposure, check white balance, check whatever these things are that you feel like, oh gosh, I'm gonna forget to do that. It's just gonna, you know, it's a best practice to have that checklist because if you have that checklist and you are thorough and you're not just like, oh, I don't really need it anymore. You are going to make sure you hit those things and you're gonna eliminate, maybe not every single mistake, but a, a large majority of them that's gonna make it so that you are more successful and that way when you get into editing you can focus on the fun part of telling the story, getting your message across, doing that work, instead of wondering about how am I gonna fix this? How, what am I gonna do? I can tell you with that example I shared about the, the audio recording, choosing the wrong microphone, I spent way more time, way more effort trying to fix it, You know, trying people's solutions, trying things that, and in the end it was this much better after all was said and done, which it was fine, I guess, but I was disappointed and I wasted a lot of time. If I just had selected the right microphone, it would have been so much better. So just keep going through your list and I'll, I'll, I'll got some things I can share with you guys. I think we've got a checklist over in the TechSmith Academy you can check out, but I've got some other questions we can, we can go through and just be, again, be thinking of some of those things. So. All right, let's look at the next thing here. Oh, we are on number three of seven. Gotta get that focus here. There we go, three of seven. I like this one um, because it's something that I think it's if you're newer to video and you're working with cameras, and we'll talk about screen stuff in here too, it's easy to overlook. It's like, well, just point your screen at the the person and you're good. And that's not true. You need to frame your video, right? You need to be thinking about the framing. Um, You need to be thinking about what's going to be seen. How is the person going to be seen? There are some guidelines we'll go through here that I think could be helpful. And let me just say, when I say guidelines, I do not mean hard and fast rules. That's a great thing about most video stuff that we're talking about is like, there are no firm rules. There's, you know, people will tell you if it's good or not, but uh, like audio, it's like, it's gotta sound good, but there's no real rules about like certain pieces of it. Like in framing, there's definitely not rules, there's just suggestions. So let's, let's look at a couple of those. First of all is something called the rule of thirds. We've talked about the rule of thirds before in the live stream, it's been a while. But you can see here in this picture, there's this grid, right? You've got it horizontally and vertically grids. Uh, So it's broken into threes. Typically, the rule of thirds, you would line it up so you've got some creative way of, of putting your subject in a third. Usually we like to see them on a third line. This one's off just a touch, but I think in terms of composition, it works really well. In terms of my shot here, I'm just actually going with the straight on between the two thirds because it's me talking to you and I've got uh, like when I get the round circle here or if I go to this view. You know, I could kind of move over to be in a third, and that's maybe a little bit more interesting. Um, like I said, there's not a hard rule here. You have to kind of look at what you're doing, but generally, thirds are good when you're shooting people. That also leaves you space. So if, especially if I was going to do like a, a green screen here, uh, maybe a, an overlay, I could do that. That would give me space to do that. So think about what you're going to shoot, what's the purpose, you know, what what is it that you want to convey to your audience. You know, the other thing that might be part of framing is your camera angle. Is it straight on? Is it up looking down a little bit? You know, is it coming from a lower? Are you trying to, you know, those all have meaning. And we're not gonna go into all the meaning uh, about those, but think about framing your camera so that you can decide what is it that you're sharing with people? What is it that you want to to, uh, help people to do? Let me go back to my screen here. We're gonna look at a couple of videos and I hope this works um, because I hope the sound comes through and I think it will. Uh, Let me just check my settings here. I think we're good. I want you to look at this as we watch it and think about what does the framing indicate? I mean, there's the thirds, but there's also distance, things like that. So let's go ahead and check it out. Do you have your scripts? Um, I'm just pitching the product, so I'm gonna wing it. It'll be fine. All right, action. Hi, so, um, I'm here today and I want to tell you a little bit about our new product and, um... You've probably seen this. As soon as someone gets on camera, they don't know what to say. They're treading water, floundering. It's awkward. Unscripted takes waste time, effort, and are painful to watch. So, it's it's going to be great for you or um, maybe someone you know. A script of the lifeline for anyone on camera to be more confident and articulate. You're going to need this. Okay, well sorry about the text that's on the screen there. Not a big deal. Hopefully you got the gist of it. So notice that our speaker there, she's going to go on camera without a script. It's it's part this is part of our one of our academy videos uh, about teaching script writing. And notice that she gets kind of further and further away, but also that we're we're putting her in a position of, of, of being much more floundering and and struggling, yet the presenter, which happens to be me, is is centered uh, much more of a position of authority, saying like, hey, this is something that you should be aware of. The story that you're telling alone, had we not had audio during that, you still might get some of the understanding that comes from just looking at the distance of the the person on camera, where they're at on the camera, kind of in the position. um, And it does a lot to kind of share this this notion and feeling. You could probably set up the same scene in in many different ways with many different ideas of how that would look um, and maybe convey the same stuff. But if it was all centered, nice and tight, close, it might not feel quite right. It's gonna look very different. So definitely uh, your framing can do a lot. We're gonna look at another one because I think it's good to look at a couple things here. So Do you have scripts? let me get, see if I can get to the next slide. Do you have your scripts? There we go. So we're gonna take a look at another one. Let's see what this one shows us. Hi everyone. Actually, let's see if I can. Hi everyone. There we, go. we can't cover everything in every video, but we wanted to make sure we take some time to walk you through some different microphones. So I have four different types of microphones. I want to talk about their placement and a few tips to use them better. So let's get started. The first microphone we're gonna talk about is just a very generic set of headphones. Okay, very simple one, right? That's part of the TechSmith Academy. It's it's more of a, like, let's talk about microphones. It, you can tell it's a very different style video. But what we did with framing is there's, again, the centered kind of person of authority saying, here are some things you need to know. But then we cut to this wider shot that's gonna pan around. Um, it just gives it some motion and movement, but you still get the sense, you get the sense of environment, you get the sense of kind of the space that the person's in. You, you get the sense of like you're there with them rather than just kind of watching them. And so, you know, is it perfect? No. But is it give a good indicator of some things that you could be thinking about when you're framing your video? Absolutely. In this case, in particular in that second shot, and let me just kind of pull it up here. You also get a sense of like on the desk there are other items to be talking about. So as I you know pick up this one, you can see probably like oh he's gonna go through uh, all these different microphones and and so that's just one thing. It's a small thing to think about. Like it's very nuanced. It doesn't probably say a ton to your viewers, but I definitely think that it's it's worth taking a look at and thinking about how you're you're framing that up for for your audience. Now, let's change gears a little bit here because framing, we've been talking a lot about camera stuff. Screencasts. TechSmith, we're all about screencasts and there is framing in screencasts. A lot of times, people will do what you see here on screen, right? It will look like, oh, let me change back to my screen here. Uh, it will it'll look like this. And so you'll have something that is lower, you know, got the third grids and you've, but you're seeing everything. You're seeing literally the entire screen. That is great for context. However, that might not be everything that you need to do because, again, it doesn't really give me a sense of where to look. It doesn't lead my eye. And you, there's things you can do. You could put an arrow, you could put your mouse cursor large and moving. But I think something like this frame actually helps me to orient to where I am. So if I'm supposed to be looking on the Home tab in Microsoft Word, and I'm supposed to be looking at maybe this, uh, no indent formatting, I don't know. It's, it's much clearer, at least already, about like narrowing down where my my site should be. And you might use both, right? Like you might push into this, so like when I say push in, I mean Zoom. Uh, you might start with like a, a quick, hey, here's Microsoft Word, and now we're gonna focus on these editing in Word functions or whatever it might be. Uh, so I think it's just a matter of thinking about when you're doing screencasts. How can you use your framing to really lead your viewer to understanding and your eyes? Uh, number four, not lighting your videos. This is a big one. Uh, again, very camera-centric, I think, which is okay because I know a lot of people want are doing camera videos. Uh, but if you ever made a video in low lighting, you know it's problematic, right? It's dark, it might be grainy. Uh, I, like, I've talked a lot about lighting over time here at TechSmith, but I've got two lights here. I actually recently turned them down. to gives me a little bit uh, less bright look. Um, You want to make sure you got some light, you you can do practical lighting behind you if that makes sense. You know, if all you got is a window, I could open my window and flood things in here. Um, But you want to make sure you're adding some lighting if you can. Or, you know, whether again, that could be natural lighting or it could be uh, lighting that you've got out and purchased. Because it's just going to make a better video. Your camera is going to appreciate that lighting. So, The challenges are always if you have not enough lighting. What can you do? Well, again, your video is gonna suffer, but what you wanna do is, again, look, can you add any type of light? It might be your overhead lights, and if that doesn't look good, you can buy cheap lights that are like 10 bucks for the cans and put a light bulb in them. That's gonna be better than nothing if you can afford, you know, 100 bucks. There's lots of Amazon light kits, or kits on Amazon, I should say that are gonna set up, you might not have room. I've got two flat panels. Uh, they are pretty small in terms of footprint. And so they kind of just nestle, nestle in around my desk. And you know, 250 bucks, that's a lot, I, I understand, but that's gonna make a big difference so that I know I'm always gonna have enough light. But the thing is, once you start adding lighting, the other challenge is is going to be, oh, let me go back here, too much light. And I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do this live. So let's let's open up some window blinds. All of a sudden it changes the dynamic of the room a little bit, which might not be bad. You might like this kind of more bright lit side, um, but it's not. to me it's not as even, it's maybe a little bit more distracting, so I'm going to close that back up. Um, and so as you're you're looking at your lighting, too much light can really be a problematic. You're going to get kind of that white washed out, uh, oversaturated uh, in terms of light brightness, and it's you can't recover from that. So if you have too much light, blinds can be really helpful. If it's a natural light, or you can put on your on your lights that you have. Is there's diffusion paper, which is basically imagine like a, a wax paper. It's it's uh, it's kind of frosted glass or something like that. If you put that over, I've got some on mine now, it's just going to make the light a lot more even. A great example of this, if you've ever been to a, a hotel room or some kind of room where you've seen a mirror, my daughter actually has one of these, it's a makeup mirror, and on the mirror it's got a light and on it it's got, a, it looks like it's got a white frost around it. The reason those mirrors have that is because they, one, you need light to see close up on your skin if you're doing makeup or skincare or whatever, Uh, but the reason it's frosted is because it's going to give a softer light which is really good If you're worried about wrinkles, it's going to make your skin look a lot smoother and cleaner, which is an added benefit. So You know, what can you do like you're gonna look good You want to look good on camera and your talent, you want your talent if you're not on camera, you want them to look good. So uh, Definitely, definitely uh, check that out here. Let me, let me just keep going here a little bit more and I see I got some questions we're gonna ask. So here's an example of lighting. This is a, from a, another TechSmith Academy video that we did. This is more of a classic noir. If you think, the, the setup for the video was actually like a twilight zone. And so you can see that it's a little darker. Of course, it's in black and white, that was a choice. Uh, but you can see I've got a little bit more shadow on one side of my face. Um, This is not a classic three-point lighting style. It's a little bit different, but you can see it still looks pretty good. Uh, You got the kind of hard light in the background kind of casting that shadow and and giving a bright spot. So there's lots of ways to light. Uh, If you're looking for lighting solutions or lighting options, YouTube is probably your best friend. We do have a TechSmith Academy course about lighting, Uh, about three simple kind of uh, three-point lighting, very simple, very straightforward that you might want to check out. But it's definitely, you know, go check out different options. Uh, And and speaking of three-point lighting, actually, before we talk about three-point lighting, let me just show you, this is an example video of some different, again, some different lighting. This is another, yeah, another TechSmith Academy video that shows a little bit more dramatic kind of view of lighting. So let's take a look. Dr. Shortcut, we meet again. Your shoddy video has cost this company. You have no business talking to me about cost. You spend most of your time doodling on that sketch pad of yours. I'm surprised you get anything done on company time. My storyboards, although they take time, create a fuller and richer video that meets all its goals. Seems a bit overstated if you ask me. So a couple things I want to point out as we go here. So first of all, we've got some, you can see actually see the lights in the background, which I think is an interesting uh, interesting decision, uh, but it makes it a lot more dramatic. You can see the kind of a harsher light, especially on, on Doug's face here. But we are lighting him from both sides because he's got the one light behind him. And then you got the right there, that's, he's going to hate me for freezing on that frame. But, uh, and then even then you can see here, we come into this part of the video and it's a me as the host is a lot more evenly lit. So again, just some options, you know, but lighting can dramatically tell a different story for your audience, depending on what you're gonna do. Now let's take a look, we'll go through the end here. Uh, We've got this, the actual kind of the beginning of that, that noir video, the kind of the Twilight Zone. You're creating videos of sight and sound, but also mind and body. A journey to a land where the only boundary is your imagination. But things can and do go wrong you're witnessing one of them. Whatever you think about scripts and writing. Okay, third one here. This is, a, this is, before we ever made any TechSmith Academy videos, one of the things we had to do was I had to make a proof of concept. And we just went out with an iPhone. We didn't have a microphone. We didn't have a fancy camera. We didn't have anyone to help us. We just said, let's make a proof of concept video. And to show the idea, like to basically sell it internally. And this is that video. And you can see, when we go back to it, you're gonna see the lighting looks bad, everything about it is kinda just bad. But, here's the thing about any video creation that you can do. You have to know your audience and you know your purpose. I could have spent days and weeks making a really great video that we'd we'll be proud of in the academy. That's not what I needed. I needed a proof of concept. I just needed something that was good enough to get the ideas across so we could refine it and we could we could take it to senior our senior leadership team and say like, this is the idea of like what we wanna do except for times like eight or nine videos times 50 videos or whatever. So uh, let's take a quick look at it again and you can you can see what I mean. Again, not meant to be good. Um, let's get a couple things out of the way. Again, it just does not not look good, right? It does it is not looking good. So, just a few ideas about lighting uh, again, I want to get a little bit more about lighting then we'll get to your guys' questions here. We'll we'll interrupt for those, but uh, just keep 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 looking at it. So, keep keep working on it, you're going to get better. So three-point lighting is one of the basic keys here. Make sure you learn about it, it's the basic. I actually am doing something a little bit different. Uh, I'm doing a two-point lighting setup because I have two lights. Um, However, now with the addition of the lights behind me, I sort of do get a third kind of light kind of setting me apart from the wall. But three-point lighting is is pretty pretty simple actually. There's a lot of great videos, Academy again has it. Um, It's something like this kind of setup where your camera, you got your subject here, and you've got a key light, and a fill light, and a backlight, and, and that's all you need. Um, and even some t- cases, you don't need the backlight, depending on your setup and what you're trying to do. If you're doing green screen, you need probably more lights, but your key light is kind of the main one. Fill-in is get, get rid of some of the shadow. Uh, backlight's gonna, again, give you separation from whatever's behind you. So uh, that's a high level overview. I don't mean to get into all, how to do all the lighting, but it's definitely something go learn about lighting. It will make a big difference in your video. I can't emphasize that enough. It is is really, really worth it. So let's do this for a second. Let's take a pause here. Get back here, yep, okay. Uh, I wanna make sure I go through some of the questions. Paul says, so I do that, talking about framing screencasts, okay? He says, I tend to zoom into the area and it takes the viewer all across the screen. Is it better to zoom and pull that to the center? So rather than like feeling like you're pushing them around, is it better to move it? I think it depends. Paul, this is a really good question. I think one, you're trying to avoid making people seasick. So if you feel like it's moving too much and you're going, whoa, uh, that's never good. But I think what you want to make sure too, is that they can follow you. So if you're up in a, like, let say the upper left-hand corner, and then you need to move over to the lower right-hand corner, you, you have to decide like you're just going to zoom through that, or you're going to pull out and give context of where you're going to go. And I don't think there's a wrong way. I think kind of Key principles here are, are avoid motion, like over overdoing the motion. I, some motion is inevitable, you want some motion. Uh, don't make people seasick. I think you want to make sure that you're not zoomed in so tightly that they have no context around them. I think it, whether you pull them to the center or you're kind of pushing around, I, th- I think it just depends on how you go about building your screencast. Because sometimes, if I got something again up in a corner, it might not make sense to bring it into the middle and show maybe uh, kind of nothing around it, that depends on your screen, right? Like if I've got a big screen here, um, I can have kind of that backdrop, you know, my my recording area that maybe I'm recording, I don't know, how to do something in PowerPoint. I can have that extra padding around it that's just kind of desktop background. Uh, but if you're working on a 1080p screen and you know you might not have those same options. So it's some of that's preference, some of that's style, but what you want to make sure again, you want to make sure people don't get lost in the context of like, where am I? What am I looking at now? How did I get from here to down here? Uh, and that can make a big difference. So again, not not wrong or right way, but do limit kind of the speed, the motion, like how much you're getting jarred around. Um, I, I, I personally do like kind of pulling out and pushing back in if you can do that smoothly. Again, not every situation works for that, but that's probably a good one. So I hope that helps. Let me know in the comments and ask for follow-up questions. Um, let's see. This says comment. Uh, my lights are a little disturbing, distracting. Can you talk a little about background distractions? I, well, questions. Are they still distracting? Because I, I can change it. We can just go without the movement. I actually think it's it's not too bad, but that's that's my opinion you guys are the judge of watching this you get to tell me. Uh, So distractions it it depends. Uh, I've been out in the we'll call out in the wild when you're out on a set shooting it's not real set but like out in the wilderness or out in on like one time we uh, shot a commercial for one of our products and we were uh, out on a running path because it's a sports app called Coach's Eye and uh, you know we had cars going by. Were those distracting? Maybe you have to pick your kind of pick what what is and isn't going to work. Um, other distractions might not be so visual; they might be auditory distractions. But for visual distractions, it just depends. Um, it depends. Does it make sense? Is there context for what needs to be there? Uh, you know, if you're shooting a scene that's you know uh, talking about I don't know something in a workplace, and there's no workplace kind of activity. It might look a little flat, might not feel alive. And so you'll have to really think about that. Determine what needs to be there and and really be conscious about it. Like if it doesn't need to be there, you probably should get rid of it um, unless it's serving a purpose. So uh, with that said, you know what we're gonna do? Because we're gonna take this and we are gonna just change what we get here. There we go. So now hopefully less distracting. Uh, so uh, yeah, so those are some of the distract- distraction stuff. So um, I saw another question about, someone said that Paul I think said so bad at scripting. Scripting is always tough, Paul. It's it's such a key thing. And and so we got a TechSmith Academy course. I also recommend as part of the Visual Lounge, we do uh, another series here called Workflow where uh, Justin Simon and Andy Owens and I talk about different things. We've talked about scripting for that as well as on the Visual Lounge past episodes have been about scripting, so hopefully those will help you get through some of the things that you need to get going. It's practice, it's go read a lot, go look at other people's scripts, ask to see like, hey, how do you, ask people how they're doing it. Um, But typically, depending on what you're doing, like you can come up with a formula that can work, like, hey, I'm gonna do an introduction, I'm gonna say these things, here's I'm gonna introduce topic one, do, do, do. Um, It kinda just depends on what type of video you're making as well. And there's lots of different script types, I've written scripts that look like they were written for Hollywood and I've written scripts that were definitely in technical in nature in terms of for training videos. Um, and the ones that are much more elaborate, unless you have something that really needs that treatment and meaning it's going to be really uh, elaborate type setup, you got to be just be careful because you don't need to do all the extra work. Alright, let's keep moving because we still have a couple more to get through. So I'm curious for all you all that are watching, if you're listening to this, I'd love to know in the comments or on Twitter or wherever you might be, what's your biggest challenge with audio? I've talked a lot about audio already, just choosing the right mic is a challenge, but what are some of the challenges that you have with audio? All right, first one, just ignoring the importance. Audio is such a big part of any video. It's at least half your video, unless you're just doing like a a video with just music or something like that, the, the things that are being said are super important and I highly recommend that you find a way to, to not ignore your audio. Make sure your audio, you're, you're investing in the right setup. Uh, I've often said on this program and, and, and many other places, that there's when you're going to invest in your your video gear there's the first place to invest is audio it is not lighting and camera and so you want to make sure you're not just ignoring the audio and that might be you know your microphone but in addition to that it might be things like background noise or room noise you've got do you have a fan going or a, your hvac your heater or cooler um, you know what is it what's in the environment so just another quick story here and I, you know, I've been on a lot of places where environments the environment was not good for recording. When the the video where we shot the lake scene of the video that I showed earlier in this program, the the place we were recording was a lake and it was terrible time to do it. And everyone was fine. It was like early November though, it was super cold. But just off the shore of the lake, there was a house and there was a cement truck. Why we were trying to film those scenes and we thought, oh my gosh, what are we gonna do? This is the day we got scheduled to do this a cement truck is extremely noisy and so you had a, we had a couple options we could reschedule which wasn't going to be great for times and effort we could ignore it and just hope it worked out or we could wait to stop and we had no idea when it was going to stop so you just have to sometimes you have to make do with the situation you're you're dealt but if you got a cement truck and it's got noise you got to be aware of those things so that you're not going to have problems as you're you're watching your you know going back to do this video other things that you might want to watch for, uh, is your microphone placed in a good position? You know, I've had microphones, lapel microphones that were not placed well, and or I was turning my head a lot, and what that was causing was the microphone not to do its job very well, because if the microphone's over here and I'm facing the other way, problem is it's not gonna pick up very well. Uh, so be, be aware of that, uh, your microphone quality, you know, if you're putting music in, uh, I've got a lot of bad, I've made all these mistakes, that's why I'm able to share them with you. I did a video recently, and it, I thought, you know what would be really nice under here is a music bed, just, it's a longer video, it's going to help things move along, and I feel like it's going to give it some energy. And I listened to it, and I thought, oh yeah, it sounds this sounds really good, I think the mix is really good. Well, it wasn't. And I got a lot of feedback, a lot of negative feedback telling me that the audio mix wasn't good. So what did I have to do for this event? Well, I had to go back and reprocess the video without the music and, uh, and give it to them so that people could actually hear and really focus. It, was, it became, a, became a problem. So make sure you're checking these things as you're going, whether it's pre, your recording process or during your editing, and even after you produce your thing, make sure, because in this case, the volumes got changed a little bit to different than what I thought it would sound like. And so you want to be aware of that. Um, a couple other things, and we've talked about noise, but think about things like echo. Echo! I don't know if you can hear it. My microphone should take care of some of that. But if you got echo in a room, like if you've ever been in a tiled room and you've recorded something, not gonna sound good. Um, make sure your microphone volume, even if you're doing a screencast, you can adjust how much the input is. Now I've got a mixer, I'm not gonna play with it right now, but I can move that up and down to change those levels. So you wanna play with that, um, You know, make sure you're getting enough volume or not too much volume. And then if you're in the editing process and you are doing like a noise reduction process, Cleaning up the audio, you can clean it up too much and it's gonna make it sound like, almost like it's in a, you're in a tin can or underwater or something like that, and that is uh, no good. It just doesn't sound good. It sounds like you've over-processed it and everyone can hear that. So just be aware of those things so that you can make sure you're not, uh, you can, things to watch for, right? Um, just whatever your environment, both recording and elsewise. So, all right, let me go back to my slides here. We've talked about room sound, we've talked about microphone a little bit. We talked about music a little bit with my story, but the other thing about music, hmm, I'm feeling a little scared right now. I don't know about, ooh. Music sets the tone a lot of times for videos, and you may or may not hear it, but it is serious. It is important. Wrong music will cause all sorts of problems. If you want a tense, tense music, this is great. You want kind of scary music, this is great. But if you're going for a happy-go-lucky sound, this is not it. So pay attention to the music you got in your video, right? Let's go on to number six, cause we're getting close on time and I wanna make sure we get through at least seven of them because I'll hear about it if we don't. Number six is not keeping things moving. Let, let's talk about this for a second, because this is something I think is, is it's another one of those things that's a little subjective, and that's okay. Like I said at the beginning of this, seven sins, like some of these are a little subjective, but, but I think there's things that happen to a lot of people. Like a lot of us will probably just shoot a video that is someone talking into the camera the entire time. I could have done that today. I did not have to bring up slides and I thought about it. Maybe I don't wanna bring up slides. I don't, maybe I don't want video. But to me, at least, I feel like at least this gives us some variety, something else to look at. It's not just like, I mean, guys, if you're watching this every week or listen to me every week, an hour, I thank you for being that dedicated, right? Like, but keeping things moving is really important because it's gonna draw attention. As things change on the screen, it's going to help draw focus, right? Like. I get it, you might be doing a lot of other things when you're listening to videos, but the motion is gonna draw you and our brains are wired for that motion. And so this is just a little thing to help you to keep things moving. One of the things you can do in that is to be thinking about B-roll. B-roll, if you're not familiar with the term, is think about your main footage, like me talking to you would be A-roll. And I could, uh, that's the A, main footage, right? And the B is secondary footage. So I could put something like when I go to my slides here, That's like a secondary footage, and it it allows to kind of show other things. So in in films and TV shows, classic B-roll might be is you're getting introduced to a character, but you just are going down the street, driving down the street, and you see just kind of the street pulling up to their house. That's not really a main person focus, but it is helping to establish where you are, what time of day it is. Um, It might be helping to establish other things. So like when I show, like if I were to take my phone and show you things on my phone, I could could make B-roll that's me clicking on my phone. It could be screen video showing the tapping on the phone. You can use B-roll to help in a lot of different ways. Not only does it keep things moving, keep things interesting, it's a great way to cover up mistakes. And if you've, got, so if you've got B-roll and you made a mistake and you need to put two clips together that are taken at a different time, like maybe I record this now, maybe I record, uh, I have to say it again. B-roll can cover up that cut so you don't really know that it's a different take. You just see like, oh, there's Matt, there's some footage and then there's this next thing. So I like keeping things moving. I think it's really, really important. But like most of this that I'm saying, be deliberate in your process. Be deliberate in adding that. Don't just add it because you can. Add it because it's gonna add value. It's gonna increase understanding. It's gonna help to move your message forward. But don't just, if you're just covering mistakes, it's probably not best practice. Um, So Jesse it has got another question for me. Any suggestions for sourcing music, sound effects, and B-roll? And absolutely, we have some great resources here. First and foremost, if you are a Camtasia user, you're editing in Camtasia, you've got assets, for Camtasia, that is a library of these things: B-roll footage. You got like different footage. You got different music and sound effects. I actually pull a number of my things from there. Um, if you're looking for other places, there's tons of other places. Many of them, most of them, have some type of charge uh, because that's how they're making their money, which is which is fair. The the one for TechSmith does have a charge to it as well. It's a yearly fee, but you get everything once you get it. Uh, but there's lots of great sites out there that have lots of things. Um, be mindful, I know a lot of people are very tempted just to pull stuff off like, oh, I saw it on the internet, I can use that. Not the way it works. Uh, be mindful, copyright please. Um, but that's the nice thing about these, a lot of these libraries like TechSmith, or Camtasia assets, or TechSmith Assets for Camtasia, it's gonna be royalty free and allow you to use it in any of your projects. And you just missed out on an opportunity to win six months last week when we did our contest, which hopefully we'll do again sometime. Okay, so let's keep going here. So we're keeping things moving. Number seven. The last one. Not shooting and editing with the end in mind. This one might seem a little bit confusing at first. Like, what, is, what does that mean? Um, I think for a lot of us, we just start making video. We're just like, oh, I'm gonna shoot the video. Just start filming stuff, right? That's, that's what you do. But that's not really best practice. It can work in sometimes. Sometimes you're really lucky and you catch stuff. but you wanna think about what is the end destination here? What should this video look like? What should be there? And this is why we're big advocates of planning, whether that's your scripting or storyboarding, or just an outline to help you. So that way, when you are going through all this process, you're not just gonna end up with a bunch of random stuff. You know exactly what you're gonna need. And that way, if you're shooting, let's say, uh, someplace outside of your, your business, You make sure you walk away from there having everything you need because it's hard. It really is hard to go back, not only from a permission standpoint, but timing standpoint. And it will never, and I can't emphasize this enough, it will never look exactly the same. Something will have changed. The lighting will change. Knowing my luck, they will put something up that changes the inside space dramatically. So it's like, oh no, it doesn't, that poster wasn't there before. We can't take that poster down. They glued it, Um, whatever it might be. So, you want to be thinking about the end state. What is it? What should it look like? And and do, do that in shooting, but also while you're editing, because that's going to give you permission to cut things out, to get rid of stuff that you don't need and remove the pieces that are like, oh gosh, this isn't really helping me to accomplish X goal. So if it's a learning training video, right? You're making something to teach people. Oftentimes our inclination is to add too much. We just want to add too much. And so this gives you permission to go through and say, Get rid of it, right? Get rid of that thing uh, that you you don't need. Okay, so uh, let me see here. Just looking through my notes real quick, make sure I'm not missing anything else. I hope that makes sense about the shooting with and editing with the in mind. I think that happens. I did it a lot as a new new video creator. I just kind of got lost, and I wanted to and I wanted to do cool things. We want to do cool things with our videos. However, keeping things consistent keeping them, you know, focused on that goal. Like I'm I want to increase our company's revenue. I want to inform them of this new feature. I want to help them understand X, Y, and Z is really, really important. So we got a comment, Yvonne, even in my written handouts I always summarize and I have an ending for the lesson just covered. Also do this in my video. Yvonne, I think that can work really well. I, I, I think there's some, probably some preference there, but I know in the other part of the the visual lounge that we do that's not live with Andy and Justin myself, I mentioned it earlier, it's about usually about video workflow content. Uh, I really like having them just do a quick last take. Right? It's it's usually a summary statement, something meant to be quick, or just that last thing they didn't get into there. But I think it's it can be really valuable because depending on how long your video is, it could be a lot to take in. Um, and usually, again, our video should be focused on one idea. So if we're not trying to put five different points out, there or ten different points. We really want to focus our videos on one thing. Uh, you know. So in this case, it's seven the seven things that people, seven mistakes, right, people make. Uh, Even though seven distinct ideas, it's really focused on that one big idea of those seven things. And so, what mistakes do people typically make? And so, you know, if I was gonna summarize, I'd go through and read these again, which is a little easier said than done with the way my notes are set up, but sure, we could do that right now, right? I could say, number one, not getting to know what your equipment can do. Number two, thinking you'll fix it in post. Number three, failing to frame your videos. Number four, not lighting your videos. Number five, ignoring the importance of audio. And that was a big one, there's lots there. Number six, not keeping things moving. And number seven, not shooting and editing with the end in mind. So there we go. Summaries are good, right? All right. Uh, I see, I'm gonna move over to chat, Jesse, just so you, uh, so I got a question, What best video editor than Camtasia? I'm gonna be completely honest with you, I primarily use Camtasia. I think there are a lot of good video editors out there, and I don't mean this as a cop-out. I think the best video video editor is the one you know how to use. And if that's Premiere, or if that's Adobe Rush, or if that's Camtasia, or if that's a, a bazillion of the other ones that are available to you, if you've got a video editor that's on a mobile device and that's the one that you know how to use and you can make it work, that is literally the best one. Um, the problem that I think a lot of people get into is there's there's really great options, but they're also very complicated. And if you're using a video editor that's, you know, you feel like, ah, this is too complicated, and you're, not, you're avoiding editing, that's a problem. So, um, you know, Can I talk about some of the video editors? Yes, I could probably tell you some of the cool things about them, they all, a lot of them have very cool things. Use the right video editor for the right job and you'll you'll always be happy, so. Uh, from a visual lounge standpoint, that's the that's the show today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you like what you're seeing, make sure you hit like or subscribe. Give us feedback comments wherever you're watching or listening to this. We really appreciate it. We're gonna take a little time if you're if you're into the video stuff, we're gonna watch. We're gonna listen to I mean, answer some questions. If you're listening to podcasts, thank you so much. We really appreciate everybody for tuning in. Thank you.